Okay, good morning. Okay, good morning, Gateway. It is great to see you on this summer Sunday morning. If you'll be making your way to your seat. We're so glad we get to gather together to worship the Lord this morning. Okay, as you head to your seat, just a few opportunities we want to make sure you are aware about in the life of the church so you don't miss out on these. First of all, there's two special fellowship opportunities this week, one for the men and one for the women. So guys, we're doing an axe-throwing fellowship this coming Wednesday. Yeah, we did this for the first time last summer, and everyone came out with all their hands and feet and fingers and toes. No one lost any limbs out there. And it was a great fellowship night. We'll be going down to Civil Axe Throwing Downtown. We've got a number of lanes reserved for us. And after we throw axes for an hour, we're going to go eat dinner at a pizza restaurant downtown together. Advanced registration is required and space is limited. So go ahead and sign up. We're getting close to capacity. And so if you get to it and it says registration is full, don't give up on it. Put your name on the wait list. That way we know that you want to come and we'll do all we can to see if Civil Axe can add more lanes for us. So if you want to come, go ahead and sign up today. Today is the deadline because we have to let them know tomorrow if we're going to add more people. And if there's a wait list, please go and put your name on there and we'll do all we can to get you to join us. Now, ladies, you have a calmer event this coming Saturday. You have a ladies' tea at the Gazebo Tea Room. That'll be this Saturday. Details and registrations on the website as well. We need you to register by Wednesday of that. So um, that one does have a max capacity as well, and we're not able to add additional seats when that, that one fills up because of the space of the room. It'll be time to have tea together and some food items together. And Sorry, I've never been there before. Um, and then you'll also have a chance to fellowship, and there'll be a devotional, and there'll be get-to-know-you questions. It should be a fun time. And so, ladies, hope you'll sign up for that if you're interested. Now, for our visitors, two important things coming up. We're so glad that God is bringing new people in the life of the church. And if you've been coming to Gateway and want to know more about us, we have something called a Discover Gateway Lunch. The next one's coming up at my house on Sunday, August 20th. After the church service, we'll go to my house, eat a meal together, and then for about an hour, I'll just talk to you about the history of Gateway, our story, what we believe, what this church is all about. And so it's the first step in the membership process, but you can come with no commitment. We need you to sign up ahead of time so we can have enough food, and you'll, again, you'll find the details on the church website, Gateway Baptist. Com. Now, for those who go to that and you're, and you're interested in pursuing membership, we have a four-week membership class here because membership's an important commitment. It's a commitment of you to serve in the church. It's a commitment of the church to shepherd you. And so we want you to understand what you're getting into and in joining a church. And so there's a four-week class called Foundations. It begins September 10th. It meets during the Sunday Bible study hour at 9 a.m. So child care is provided. It doesn't require you to come to the campus any additional times. It's when you're already here on a Sunday morning. And so the registration for that is on the website as well. Now Molly is asked to come make a quick announcement. Molly's our children's ministry director and so Molly you survived vacation Bible school and it's a great week now tell us what else is coming up you need. Hello so anybody that knows me knows I actually don't like getting up here to ask for help. I really believe it or not you guys you need to know that you're prayed over quite a bit. I look through the directory all the time and pray over people and think about who God is calling to the children's ministry. Guys I mean, it's not unbiased, but the children are one of our greatest gifts, and we are so blessed to have an abundance over there. Um, July 4th, our quiet weekend, we had 39 in the nursery. So we are booming here with lots of children. Guys, we're going to turn around, and these children are going to be leading us. Uh, sorry, some of us maybe. I don't know if I'll be here. But, um, but they will be leading us. So it's really important that I get a few more teachers. I'm going to ask all of you to pray with me. If not praying about yourself doing this, praying that someone else will be 
um, prompted by God to come lead the nursery because specifically right now, I need help for Sunday school in the nursery. We have, I mean, Julia's not even here yet because she's in there helping divvy up rooms. We have a lot, a lot of toddlers. And I need a lot, I need at least two teachers every Sunday morning. Guys, you can do a tag team with another couple. We can figure out how to make this work. If you're serving right now, we can put you there and figure that spot out. If there's a calling for you right now to help in the nursery, please pray about this. Please come let me know because I don't typically say this, but it's pretty urgent. Um, and you're going to be surprised when the toddlers are in here. So it's going to be, it'll be a different service when they come in. So anyway, please pray about this and please um, give some thought to this. Thanks, Molly. We appreciate all you do. And what, what a great challenge to have with all the kids back there. We're thankful the Lord has blessed us with so many families and so many young kids. Now, just two other announcements this morning before we sing. Today, we kick off a new sermon series. If you were with us last week, we finished First Peter. It took us 51 weeks to get through that letter, but we finished it last week. And so today we kick off a six-week series on prayer. We want to grow in our personal prayer lives and our family prayer lives and our small group prayers and us as a church corporately praying. It's an area that we believe God wants to stretch us and grow us in. So we're going to spend six weeks talking more about prayer in our lives and in the church. And Greg Teal, one of our elders, is going to be preaching for us this morning to kick us off for us. Greg's the one who the Lord really burdened his heart with this. And as he shared the vision for this, the whole elder team were like, yes, this is what the Lord wants for Gateway. And so we're thrilled about that kicking off today. And speaking of prayer... There is an opportunity to pray together this afternoon at 4.30 right here in the sanctuary. If you'd like to put into practice what we're talking about in this service this morning, there's a chance to pray together with other believers here in the sanctuary at 4.30 today. Well, that's it for announcements. As we turn our hearts to sing to the Lord, can I ask you to stand, please? I want to read a scripture for us this morning. So we sing several songs this morning. We'll be reminded of the invitation we have to come to the Lord with our burdens, to come to the Lord with all of our concerns, to come to Him in prayer. We're going to be reminded of His attributes and His sovereignty. We're going to be reminded of His goodness to us, His people. And so I want you to hear from Hebrews 4 as we focus our minds on what we're singing to the Lord this morning. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. For the, Lord, for the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and a marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And friends, that's what we want this morning is the word of God to do that and to work in our hearts. But then we're reminded just a few verses later, since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. Let's celebrate and worship the Lord this morning for that confidence we have to draw near his presence. I walk through the shadow, 
introduce a new song this morning. Listen on the Spotify list that we have. You've probably heard it come across it, but it's called uh, Come to Jesus, Rest in Him. And uh, Sovereign Grace and the Gettys do this song. But uh, it comes from uh, Matthew, and we're going to look at Matthew this morning. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. If you are in Christ this morning, we can come to Jesus and we can rest in him. He is our rock on who we can stand. He is where we find our strength. And he gives us the strength to endure. So we're going to teach this song to you this morning. Follow along. It's very easy to pick up on. But verse 1 will just simply say, are you weary, heavy laden? Come and lay your burdens down. Jesus calls you. Jesus draws you. Rest in him. And then we'll move on after that to the chorus, how sure his compassion for us, how deep is his love. So come, come to Jesus and rest. broken world to him. He 
we can run to you. We can come to you. And yet, Lord, we confess today we run so often to so many things besides you. Lord, you know those things we run to or to try to satisfy ourselves instead of running to you. And Lord, we just want to confess this morning, Lord, the idols of our heart, the things that we're so quick to run to, instead of looking to you to satisfy, instead of looking to you to hold us and secure us. Lord, I pray you would just be stirring each one of our hearts or to see those idols, that your Holy Spirit would be convicting us of the idolatry of our own hearts so we can repent of those things and we can see you in your beauty and your glory and your majesty and run to you to be satisfied, run to you to be secured, run to you to be held. But I pray that we would find you to be everything that we need. And Lord, the things of this world that so appeal us and entertain us, Lord, that those will become dimmer and dimmer in the light of seeing your glory and your grace. God, we thank you for the truths we have just sung, proclaiming your attributes, your characteristics, your nature, to know that you are a faithful God, that you will do everything you're promised. God, our hearts are so thankful that you don't wake up in a different mood today from yesterday, that we don't have to worry about you changing moods. And Lord, you are constant, you are forever, you are the same. And yet that's coupled with your goodness to us and your promises to be faithful to us and your sovereignty and your wisdom. Lord, we know we can trust you and help us trust you. Help us where we struggle to trust you. Lord, I pray you be growing us as a church to delight in you and to express that delight in you and our praises to you and our hunger for your word and even our hungers. We'll study this morning for prayer, for talking to you and running to you each and every day. And we thank you that collectively we have just a moment that we can pause right now and to bring requests before you knowing that you have all the wisdom, that you are sovereign, you are on your throne, you have all the power to do what needs to be done. We confess our weaknesses, so we come to you in prayer, Lord, looking to you to do what only you can do. Lord, I just pray for our church family here. Lord, you know the struggles of each brother and sister. And I pray that today you would meet them where they are at, that you would meet their needs, whether it's physical, whether it's emotional, whether it's relational, whether it's spiritual, you know where they're struggling. And I pray that you would meet them today and they would know that they are loved by you. And yet, Lord, we know that in a room this size, whether it's children or adults, there are some who have never confessed their faith in Christ. There may even be some today who think they're okay with you, but they're really not. So we pray today your Holy Spirit would bring conviction of sin, that you'd be drawing, that just as we just sang about, that you draw us to yourself when we were lost. We pray you'd be doing that for the non-believers in our midst today. We pray that for the children of Gateway, as Molly's reminded us this morning, where there's so many here. And thank you, Lord, for the incredible blessing and opportunity you've given to us to point them to Christ, to disciple those who believe, to help them be anchored in the sufficiency of your scriptures for everything they need for life and godliness. And we pray for much wisdom as we seek to do that. We pray that you would provide the help that is needed to work in the nursery to teach these precious children your ways. Would you even this morning be stirring the hearts of some in this room to step up and to say, yes, Lord, I want to serve. I want to help these young ones know who you are. Lord, we do pray for the children of this church that, Lord, you would be turning their hearts to yourself, that you would be drawing them to see your beauty and to believe and to want to follow you with all of their lives. And we thank you for other churches in this town. Thank you that there is much gospel witness in Montgomery. And Lord, I know that there's many churches right now that are in seasons of transition as their pastors have moved on or about to move on. And we just pray that you'll be bringing the right men to this city to shepherd and lead each of those congregations. But in particular, we thank you for our long partnership and friendship with Grace Presbyterian Church just down the street for the joint sunrise service we've done with them and for so many in this church who have benefited from their creative arts ministry, who've benefited from their ballet programs and ministries. 
Lord, as Bill, Bill and Carol prepare to move next month to South Carolina to retire and be with family, we pray your blessings upon them. We pray for a smooth transition, and we pray for our friends at Grace Presbyterian that today, Lord, you would be anchoring them in your steadfastness, that you have a man picked out to shepherd them. They would not fear, they would not be anxious, but they would trust you through this whole process. We pray for grace as we pray for these other churches. You would bring the right man to help shepherd and lead them in the years to come. And we thank you for what you're doing globally, that Lord, your desire is to draw all the nations to yourself, that where that day will come and there'll be people around your throne from every tongue and tribe and nation. And we thank you that we get to partner with different organizations and missionaries to be a small part of what you're doing. And Lord, we pray this morning for Emily Griffin and Meskels. Thank you for the work being done in that western part of Kenya with the school, with the ministries there, with the orphanage. And we pray that you'll provide everything Meskels needs. Lord, we pray for Emily. Pray you'll give her much wisdom. And all she does, we pray especially as she prepares for her own wedding in just a few weeks, Lord. You'll bless her in this new season of life as she balances family and ministry. And that, Lord, you'll just give her and her husband the wisdom they will need for every step of the way. And Lord, we thank you for how you provided for this church. Lord, and we pray and just thank you this morning for the offerings that have already been given online all this week. The offerings have been dropped in the box in the back this morning. And I pray for us as the leaders of the church that we'd be wise stewards of all that you've given to us, that we'd use it wisely so that your glory, your fame, your renown is spread here in Montgomery and to the ends of the earth. And Lord, we just thank you for the preaching of your word. Thank you, God, that there are so many gifted teachers in this church. Lord, thank you for the elders and these guys that get to labor alongside and their love for you and their love for this body and their commitment to the authority of scripture. And so we pray this morning for Greg as he comes and he talks to us about prayer. Lord, that we wouldn't just think this is a familiar topic, but Lord, that you would be stirring our hearts, that you give us ears to hear and hearts that hunger to know you more and to want to pray more. So would you take your word and use it this morning to shape us and form us and to make us into the people you desire us to be. And we ask it all for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Greg, come on up. First to fourth graders, you are dismissed to kids' worship if you'd like to go or if your parents would like you to go. So first to fourth graders, you're a Pastor Rick this morning. And parents, don't forget, at the end of the service, before you get into all those fun fellowship conversations, go pick up your kids in the blue hallway in the gym building. And then you can bring your kids back and come in here and enjoy fellowship with people after the service. You guys have fun in kids' worship this morning. Greg, it's all yours. We won't say it was operator error. <laughs> well, good morning, Gateway family, for those here and, and those that are online. Uh, it's really a privilege to, to be up here this morning. As Grady said, I'm Greg Teal, and I'm one of the, the elders here at Gateway. Um, and today, as already been said, we're going we're gonna to begin a six-week journey uh, on the topic of prayer. Uh, and as you normally know, we for those who, you, who aren't uh, here regularly, we teach verse by verse through, through books of the Bible, and we will continue that, uh, picking up with Genesis 1 through 11 uh, in August. But uh, it's already been said that uh, we as the elders really felt led that we wanted to take a, a little pause, a, a sailor, so to speak, uh, and really have a conversation about prayer in the church. Uh, and uh, we actually did this in our Sunday school class. We did a 16-week series on prayer. And honestly, it feels like squeezing this into six weeks 
uh, will be a lot, uh, but we want to do that. We want to spend this time. And up front, uh, let me just say this, the goal as we go through this, it is, yes, a better biblical understanding of prayer and what prayer is, uh, and, and that is essential, but it's not sufficient. Uh, what we want to do more importantly is to awaken all of us, starting with us as, as the leadership in the church, down to the children of the church, to awaken us for our great, great need for prayer in the life of our church. So first, I, I want to say a couple of things. This is not a, come on, let's get our act together. We need to pray more. That's not what this is uh, going to be. And we've got to do better is not going to be the message that you're going to hear. So here's the message. Oh, the privilege and blessing of growing in prayer. Growing in the richness and the depth of spirit-led communication with our God who invites us to pray, commands us to pray, because he knows how great our need is. And he knows how much he wants to answer our heart's desire. And he wants to shape our heart's desire and conform our heart's desire to his. And all of this is for his glory. And you know what? When that happens, it's for our greatest joy. Now that is something that I can wrap my heart and mind and arms around, and I can say I want all of us to get in on that. And so that's where we're headed over the next six weeks. So as an overview today, we're going to begin just with that, an overview of prayer. And we're going to ask some questions like, what is prayer? Why should we pray? Uh, and when we look at why should we pray, we're going to say how often should we pray? Uh, and explore questions like that today. And then next week, we're going to begin with an introduction to the Lord's Prayer, where Rick's going to come up and talk about how we approach God in prayer. And we're going to tie this to the Lord's Prayer, and you think about our Father, the relationship, who art in heaven, that we are praying to a transcendent God, and hallowed be thy name, holiness and reverence and awe as we approach God. And then we'll begin looking at different aspects of prayer, each one linking to the Lord's Prayer, beginning with praise and adoration and thanksgiving. And we see this with, Hallowed be thy name, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. And then we'll explore biblical examples of confession and lament in prayer. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors where we see brokenness, confession, and repentance. And the last of the aspects of prayer we'll examine is supplication, where we come before the Lord in intercession, praying for the needs of others, and petition where we bring our own needs before God. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven, exchanging our will for his will. We also give, give, us this daily, give us this day our daily bread where we go before the Lord for our physical needs and then lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil where we go before the Lord for our spiritual needs, spiritual protection, strength, and power. And we're going to finish the series with an exhortation and an encouragement for us as a church. And we're going to ask the question, what is our vision here at Gateway towards being a praying church? So when we're finished, the measure won't be how much we know, 
about prayer, although that is essential. It might challenge us all in some fundamental ways. Do I truly believe that prayer matters? Matters greatly. Do I truly believe that God answers prayer? And why don't I pray? Or why don't I pray more? And what would happen if I became a prayer warrior? Or became a pray, we became a praying church? So we're asking the Lord to do a work in all of us towards becoming a praying church. And really our hope is that we'll all gain a better biblical understanding that works itself out in growing our heart's desire to constantly live our lives before the face of God. So I believe that our Lord will speak to each of us in individual ways and in unique ways because he knows us intimately. He knows where we are and he knows our need. But one thing you will hear often as we walk through this series is this. When it comes to praying, the best way to learn to pray is, well, to pray. So let's pray. Father, we come before you. Lord, we ask that you would give us understanding as we look at this vast topic of prayer. Lord, we ask that you would grow us in our desire. Lord, that you'd give us feet that run to you in prayer. And we ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. And I want to say that as I've prepared for this today, uh, this, is, this has been a weight on me for, for one big reason, is that we're going to go over this in six weeks. But when, when you start to talk about the topic of prayer, in some respects, it's pretty simple. It's talking, communicating to our Heavenly Father. But in other respects, it is as vast as the deepest ocean. And that I don't think all the sermon series we could have, short of a lifetime of walking with the Lord and being in his word and coming before him, will give us a glimpse of this whole matter of prayer. And so today we're not going to cover the depths of prayer, but hopefully this will be an introductory call that awakens us to the wonder and splendor and glory of prayer. And that will be unpacked in the weeks to come. So... With that said, let's dig in and let's start at the beginning. So what is prayer? That's our first main point. So one of the most basic definitions of prayer is simply talking to God. And here's a sampling of a few other definitions uh, from other folks. Beloved Scottish author George MacDonald wrote this. Oh God, I said. And that was all. But what are the prayers of the whole universe more than the expansions of that one cry? It's not what God can give, but God that we want. Another said this, prayer is a direct address to God. It's the communication of the human soul with the Lord who created that soul. Prayer is the primary way for the believer in Jesus Christ to communicate his emotions and desires with God and to fellowship with God. And another, prayer is objectively real. A real God, real communication, real work, and real answers. But it also comes in a million different shapes and forms. Prayer happens in seconds, short moments of the cracks of our day, and it can happen for hours at a time, even throughout the whole night. Now, John MacArthur 
says it this way. Prayer focuses on God, on his adoration, his worthiness and glory, every aspect of true righteousness. Prayer is not trying to get God to do what we want him to do and provide for our selfish desires. But prayer is affirming God's sovereignty, righteousness, and majesty, and seeking to conform our desires and our purposes to his will and to his glory. A passage that we're going to look at later uh, really sums this up in 1 John 5, 14 through 15, starting in verse 14. We read this, this is the confidence which we have before him, that if we ask anything according to his will, and that's the right motive in prayer, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests which we've asked from him. Now, a passage that's sort of the opposite of that is James 4, 3. It says, you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and you do not receive Because you ask with wrong motives so that you may spend it on your pleasures. That's my will, wrong motive. So if we hearken back to Jesus' words, these are the most powerful words in prayer that we'll ever hear. Not my will, but thy will be done. Now we start to look at prayer used in the New Testament, the most often used word is the word prosekamai in the Greek. And it's a fascinating word, and it means properly to exchange wishes, to pray. Literally, it means to interact with the Lord by switching human wishes or ideas for his wishes, which he imparts in faith. And what we see working there is a divine persuasion that takes place in prayer. And accordingly, when we look at that, we see the connection Uh, in every instance between prayer and faith in the New Testament. We also see in 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, I don't think he's going to put that up, but prosecomite, when Paul says pray without ceasing, and we'll look at this a little bit later, but this is the word prosecomite, and it doesn't just capture one single element of prayer. It captures every element of prayer. It captures the idea of submission, exchanging our will for God's will, adoration, praise, and thanksgiving, confession, and then bringing our own needs and the needs of others before God in supplication. So with that understanding, then really what this verse is saying is that we should be unceasingly speaking or pouring out our heart to God with adoration and praise for His glory, His greatness, His splendor, His majesty, His perfection, in every way. His great love for us, his glorious grace seen most clearly in Christ, and the list goes on. It says that we should be unceasingly thanking God for what he's done on our behalf, life and breath, meeting our needs, saving our souls, and the list goes on. That we should be unceasingly repenting, confessing, and lamenting over our sin to God, expressing our Uh, expressing our needs for forgiveness and for cleansing, that we should be unceasingly pleading with and interceding to God for the salvation of others and material and spiritual needs of others, that we should be unceasingly crying out to God 
petitioning God for our own spiritual needs, for growing up in Christ, for having victory over temptation, for shaping the desires of our heart, for shaping our relationships, for meeting our material needs, for helping us in our worry and our anxiety unceasingly. But it even goes beyond that. Prosukamai means to come toward and to come to the face of God. So in Prosukamai, we don't find a distant God who's removed from our lives or a God who only wants prayer a couple of times a day or a God who simply wants our wish lists to hand out blessings to us. Instead, we find a God who wants us to draw near to him, to come face to face with him, to bring it all, everything we have, everything we are, a constant and continual intimate conversation with him, with every single breath we take as we proclaim, not my will, but thy will be done. So what is prayer? So simply put, talking to, communicating with God. But a more complete understanding might go like this. And, and I want to just say that as I've studied over this, I've tried to put together a definition that captures a lot. I've even second thought it before I actually stepped up here, had my pen sitting down here uh, because it's hard to capture this. But here, here's where I landed. Prayer is our comprehensive, continuous communication to our Creator and Savior God about everything in faith, exchanging our will for God's will, for His glory, for our greatest joy. And brothers and sisters, I just want to emphasize that, that when we talk a lot about living for His glory, that it's about His glory, His namesake. That's not a selfish God because He knows that when we live for His glory, when our lives are fully devoted to Him, that that's when we have our greatest joy. We just live lives of desperation sometimes and we don't ever get to his glory, living for his glory. But I want to encourage us, prayer is no different. So with a better understanding of what prayer is, I want to transition. Let's take a look at some principles of prayer. First, I want to look at the persuasion to pray and then the priority of prayer and then the pouring out of prayer. So let's begin with the persuasion to pray. Number one, we are commanded and invited to pray continuously. We look at Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 through 9, and, and in this passage, Jesus clearly gives us an imperative to pray, where he says, starting in verse 5, when you pray, go into your inner room, close your door, and pray to your Father who's in secret, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you are praying, do not use meaningless repetition as the Gentiles do, for they suppose that they'll be heard for their many words. So do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Pray then in this way. And then He goes on to pray what we call the Lord's Prayer, His model prayer. And what we see in this passage is from Jesus, a very clear imperative that we're to pray. We see Jesus talking to his disciples in Luke, in the book of Luke, chapter 11, looking at verse 9, and he's speaking to his disciples in the context of persistent prayer, of persevering in prayer, of continuously praying. And he says this, 
So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. And if I read that with how, how the words really uh, should be read, it would be like this. So I say to you, ask, and go on asking, and it will be given to you. Seek, and go on seeking, and you will find. Knock, and go on knocking, and it will be open to you. That we're just to continuously pursue God, continuously pursue Him. We also see uh, the Apostle Paul in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 through 18, a passage most of you are familiar with, where Paul calls us to pray when he says, starting in verse 16, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything gives thanks, for this is God's will for you. In Christ Jesus. So we're persuaded. We're commanded to pray. We're invited to pray by Jesus, Paul, and others. And so I want to move on to now the, what we see in the priority of prayer in the early church. As we turn over to Acts, uh, looking at chapter 1, find in verses 12 through 14. And this is following Christ's ascension back to the Father. It says, Then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey away. When they had entered the city, they went up to the upper room where they were staying. That is Peter and John, John and James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus and Simon the Zealot, and Judas the son of James. And these all, with one mind, were continually devoting themselves to prayer, along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, with his brothers, all of Jesus' close followers, waiting and praying. In Acts 2, we turn the pages, turn a few pages, and we see in verses 41 through 42, and, and this is in the very beginning of the church after Peter had preached his first sermon. He writes, starting in verse 41, So then those who had received his word were baptized. In that day they were added about 3,000 souls, they were continuously devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, the word, and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. The first church devoted to prayer. We also see the priority of prayer and word in the first church leadership. We turn over to Acts chapter 6, looking at verses 2 through 4. We see this context where there was an issue in the church and Actually, where the first deacons were commissioned in the church. And we read, starting in verse 2, So the twelve summoned the congregation of the disciples and said, It is not desirable for us to neglect the word of God in order to serve tables. Therefore, brethren, select from among you seven good men of reputation, full of the spirit and wisdom, whom we may put in charge of this task. But we, your church leadership, will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. The first church leaders devoted to praying. And by the way, this should be our priority here as your leadership at Gateway. It should be our priority as a church. It should be the priority of every church devoted to prayer. So in his book, The Gospel of Jesus Christ, and I want to hold this book up to you, by the way. Whenever I have these opportunities, um, this is a book by Paul Washer. It's called The Gospel of Jesus Christ. And I want to commend it to you as a way to share the gospel with other people. 
It's a very succinct book, uh, and it gives a clear presentation of the gospel and challenges hearts to know if they are truly born again. Uh, and in his book, Paul Washer uh, says this, if you have become a new believer, the first two things that should be a priority in your life, study the Bible, be devoted to prayer. And I would commend that to you, that this devotion to prayer has been in the history of the church, and it should be in our church as well. So given the persuasion to pray and the priority to prayer, the principle follows that prayer should flow or pour out naturally from the life of the believer. And John MacArthur says this, he says, reading the Bible is like eating. Well, praying is like breathing. Responding to God's pressure and presence in your life. Breathing indicates life. So does prayer indicate spiritual life, the life of the believer. C.S. Lewis says it this way. He says, I pray because I can't help myself. I pray because I'm helpless. I pray because the need flows out of me every waking moment, day and night. Prayer should be that natural in the life of a believer, one who's been born again from above, in whom God has once again breathed new life in us through the presence and the power of his Holy Spirit. So on the one hand, prayer should be that natural. But prayer in our lives faces the same obstacles as time in the Word and other vital rhythms and disciplines and good works in our lives as believers. The unholy trinity of the world, the devil, and our flesh, our remaining sin, all wage war against our time in the Word, and it wages war against prayer. So now that we've explored the definition of prayer and looked at these principles of prayer, let's, let's look at how we might develop and sustain prayer as a God-glorifying, joy-producing part of our lives and overcome some of these obstacles that keep us from prayer. So first, I want to begin with, we must greatly understand the reality of how great and how desperate our need for God is. And I want to read that C.S. Lewis quote again. I pray because I can't help myself. I pray because I'm helpless. I pray because the need flows out of me all the time, waking and sleeping. Arthur Pink says it this way, prayer is not so much an act as it is an attitude, an attitude of dependency, dependency upon God. And, and this is pivotal in prayer because we are needy all the time, but sometimes God shows us our need in ultra-high definition. Turn over to 2 Chronicles chapter 20, and we see a scenario here starting in verses 12 and 13 where King Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, got the word that Moab and Ammon and others were coming against him with a force that was too phenomenally great, that they were going to be destroyed. There was no doubt as to the outcome. And so the last word of his prayer, he called the people to pray, and here was the last line in his prayer. Oh, our God, will you not judge them? 
For we are powerless before this great multitude who are coming against us. Nor do we know what to do. But our eyes are on you. And all Judah was standing before the Lord with their infants, their wives, and their children. I don't know if you've ever been that desperate. This was a nation that was called to pray. There was no hope. They did not know what to do. And I'm sure you felt like you've been there as well. So our prayer is this, Lord, give us a right understanding of how needy and helpless we really are to live a life that's pleasing to you. We desperately need you to move in us and around us. So number two, we need to understand that prayer is dependent upon and inseparable from the word of God. I want to turn over to John in chapter 15, where a very familiar verse, looking at verses 4 through 5 and 7 through 8, where Jesus says this, Abide or remain in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. We are helpless. He goes on in verses 7 and 8 and he says this. If you abide in me, then my words abide in you. And I want you to think the word of God that we have today. Ask whatever you wish. That's prayer. And it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this. And this is where we see God's glory. That you bear much fruit. And this is our greatest joy. And so prove to be my disciples. We make our needs known to God in prayer. According to the word of God. And able to produce much fruit for his glory. And this is why we often pray. And I would encourage you to pray the scripture back to God. Read the scripture to the Lord. Because when we do that we know that we are praying according to his will. So we need to see how needy and helpless we are. Apart from the Lord, we need to understand that prayer and the word of God are inseparable. Thirdly, we need to practice the discipline of prayer with intentionality and with perseverance. Look over in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 24 through 27. And Paul here gives us this great analogy to encourage us to press in. It says, do, not, do you not know that all who run in a race, that those who run in a race all run, but only one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may win. And in this context, what he's talking about is the context of becoming more and more like Christ in pleasing and glorifying him. And he says, everyone who competes in the games exercises self-control in all things. They then do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. Therefore, I run in such a way as not without aim. I box in such a way as not beating the air, but I discipline my body. So I want you to know we have a part in this. To make it my slave so that after I preach to others, I myself will not be disqualified. So I want to caveat something. We know that any good work that happens in our lives is wrought from the Holy Spirit, right? But I love the passage where it says this. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. That's our part. For it is God who is at work in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. 
He does all the work. So we're to step into this. So I love this the way Corrie Ten Boom, a very practical woman who really went through so much in life and deserves to be heard. She says this, don't pray when you feel like it. Have an appointment with the Lord and keep it. That's pretty simple advice, isn't it? So let's pray. Lord, I need discipline to pray. Help me to walk in obedience to you in the power of your Holy Spirit who produces self-control in me towards the end of your glory, my greatest joy. This life is a long journey, a marathon of sorts. So how do we persevere when we step into prayer? How do we persevere over time? And Colossians 4.2 says this, devote yourselves to prayer. There's that devote word again. Keeping alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving. Luke 18, verse 1 says this. Now he was telling them a parable to show them at all times that they ought to pray and to not lose heart. Jesus was encouraging his disciples, stay with it. Stay with it, guys. Persevere in prayer. In 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 and 17, we've already read this. But again, Paul then encourages us to pray without ceasing. So in these passages, Christ and Paul are exhorting us. They're encouraging us. They're pushing us. So I also want to say this, that Romans chapter 8, and I, this won't be on the screen, uh, in verses 26 through 27, I want to read that to you. It's a very important part of persevering in prayer. Um, in verse 26, he says this, In the same way the Spirit also helps our weaknesses, for we do not know how to pray as we should. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because he intercedes for the saints according to to the will of God. Folks, I don't know how many times I've gone to prayer and I just didn't know what to pray or how to pray. We have a helper. We have one who lives within us, who intercedes for us, who knows the will of God. And honestly, this is a mystery how this works. But let me tell you, the Holy Spirit works to give us words to pray. He also prays for us to the Father. So we're not in this on our own. So we learn to pray. We persevere in prayer by praying. So we need to see, I'm sorry, I, I wanted to say this. So pray until you can pray. Pray to be helped to pray. And do not give up praying because you can't pray. For it's when you think you can't pray, that's when you're praying. And there's been times in my life before my knees went bad, or at least one of them, when I did long distance running. And for those of you who've done that, there are times when you feel like particularly half or two-thirds of the way through where you hit what's called the wall. I, I can't go on anymore. This is, my body's shutting down. My mind is mentally, I can't make the finish line here. You just can't see your way. But the advice that you get is you keep pressing through. You keep pressing through. And what has always happened is you, you break through that wall. And there's another side to that wall. And the other side to that wall is renewed energy. It's renewed strength. And it's a vision for the finish line. 
But it takes perseverance, brothers and sisters. And that's Holy Spirit driven and the God-given mind that you have to press forward. So I want to encourage you in that. So I want to then turn to number four. And there was a lot more that I wanted to say on this in, in this main point, but I don't have time. And it's the idea that we need focus and we need solitude. Now, we live in an age of unprecedented distraction. And that's multiple sermons that we don't have time for. I think probably everyone here would acknowledge that. What I would say is this. Let's turn to Daniel chapter 3. When I talk about focus, what I'm talking about is laying aside all else to pray. There's a dedicated focus to this. And we turn to Daniel chapter 9. The scenario is this, is that Daniel had been in the Word. He'd been reading the prophet Jeremiah. He was in Babylon. And he read Jeremiah's prophecy that it would be 70 years and then uh, the Jews would be released. The Israelites would be released. But he didn't understand this prophecy. And that's where we pick up in verse 3. So I gave my attention to the Lord to seek Him by prayer and pleading with fasting, sackcloth, and ashes. And I would encourage you to read the rest of that prayer. It's one of the richest prayers in the Bible. But Daniel pleads with God. He begins with confession for the nation. And he goes to the heart of God. God, uh, save us. Deliver us. But he sought. He, he was reading the word and he sought the Lord in prayer. Turn over to Second Chronicles chapter 20. Look at another example. Uh, in verse, starting in verse 3, Jehoshaphat, it's the same scenario as before, the king of Judah. This is what happened when he got the news that they were going to be under attack and they were going to be decimated. It says, Jehoshaphat was afraid and turned his attention to seek the Lord and proclaimed a period of fasting throughout Judah. And you know, as I've thought about this, I don't know of any, really many times in our nation I think back to 9-11, for those of you who that rings a bell towards, it seemed for the only time I can remember in my lifetime, there was a call to prayer. People who didn't pray were praying. There was a, something hit America, and we didn't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. But you know, the reality is, that's how we should live our lives every day. Not just, not just a 9 call. So Lord... Lead me away from the temptation to bathe in so many of the distractions of the world which produce no fruit. and Help me to focus my heart, soul, and mind on you. And I just want to say a brief word on solitude. And solitude is one of those things to think about training your mind to focus on the Lord. Quiet. Alone. Blaise Pascal, he was a philosopher in the 1600s, said this, all of humanity's problems, that's a pretty big statement to start it that way, stem from man's inability to sit quietly in a room alone. Well, that may be a little hyperbole, a little exaggeration, but we absolutely need to be awakened from the relentless stream of distractions and diversions in our lives. Jesus, if we look at his life, He chose again and again, in perfect wisdom and love, 
to give his first and best moments to seeking his Father's face. And if Jesus, even Jesus, carved out time from the demands of his human life, shouldn't we all the more? Turn over to Mark chapter 1 and this reading, verse 35. There are several examples of this, and I'll read three of them. And in the early morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went away to a secluded place and prayed there for a time. See over in Matthew chapter 14, look at it, verse 23. After he had sent the crowds away, he went up to the mountain by himself to pray. And when it was evening, he was there alone. And we look at six, Luke 6, 12. It says this, Now it was at this time that he went off to the mountain to pray, and he spent the whole night in prayer with God. And the next verse says, And when day came, he called his disciples to him and chose 12 of them whom he named as apostles. He spent the whole night in prayer because of the weight of actually naming and calling the apostles. So one author said this, The healthy Christian life is neither wholly solitary nor wholly communal. We withdraw like Jesus to a desolate place to commune with God and then return to the bustle of daily tasks and the needs of others. We carve out a season for spiritual respite and some momentary sacred space to feed our souls, enjoying God there in the stillness. Then we enter back in as light and bread to a hungry, harassed, and helpless world. We don't retreat from life's busyness and bustle as an end in itself to sit quietly in a room alone, as Pascal said. That's not an achievement, but it is an instrument, an opportunity to open up our lives and souls to him for whom we were made, to know and enjoy him. <clears throat> so we see the, see the need first to, be, to understand how needy we are and helpless we are apart from the Lord, to understand that the word of God and prayer are inseparable, that we need to practice prayer with discipline, intentionality, and perseverance. We need to sharpen our focus on prayer and practice solitude. And then finally, we must believe that God answers our prayers. 1 John chapter 5, verses 14 through 15. This is the confidence which we have before him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests that we have asked from him. That's an interesting passage, isn't it? Well, Matthew Henry, one of the theologians, says this, The Lord Christ invites us to come to him in all circumstances with our supplications and requests. Our prayers must always be offered in submission to the will of God. In some things they are speedily answered. In other things they are granted in the best manner, although not as we requested. Another commentator said this when addressing this idea of we have our requests. He said, we have our requests not always as we pray, but as we would pray if we were wiser. God gives us not what we ask but what we really need. And how I would sum all this up would be to say, as we pray with faith, believing that God hears our prayers, with a holy confidence, God will answer our prayers in His way, according to His will, 
in his timing for his glory and for our greatest joy. Now, one example in my life, and I'm sure it's a passage you're familiar with in James chapter 1, verses 5 through 8. It says, but if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God to give, who gives to all men generously and without reproach. And then he says this, and it will be given to him. But he must ask in faith without any doubting. For the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For that man ought not to expect that he will receive anything from the Lord, being a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. And I want to encourage you. This is a prayer begging you and inviting you to believe God. He promises to give you wisdom and how we need wisdom, how you need wisdom and how I need wisdom. And so how I pray this prayer now is, Lord, I don't know what to do. I need your wisdom. You're going to give it to me. And I press on. Living a life before the Lord. As faithful as I can. And trusting when those moments come, when the forks come, the Lord will lead me in the right way. Through his sovereignty and his providence. So a question on which prayer hinges. Do you believe this? That God answers your prayers? Do you believe So today we started with the question, what is prayer? Talking to, communicating to God. But a more complete understanding we looked at was prayers are comprehensive, continuous communication to our creator and savior God about everything in faith, exchanging our will for God's will, for his glory and our greatest joy. We then looked at several principles for prayer, the persuasion to pray, where we're commanded and invited to pray, the priority of prayer, particularly in the early church, and the natural outpouring of prayer in the life of the believer. And then finally, we just looked at five keys to overcoming obstacles that keep us from prayer and developing and sustaining our prayer lives as a God-glorifying, joy-producing part of our lives. So I want to close out today with some application as we, as we think about this, as we begin this series on prayer going through this journey. And I want to each of us to reflect individually on these questions. And I think we have these questions that we're going to bring up on the screen here. So first, do I believe that God not only invites me to come to him in prayer, but he commands me to pray? Do I believe that? Do I understand my helpless state apart from God? Do I need God? And this is not one to superficially ask. This is one to meditate on. Do you need God? Do I believe everything I have and am is from God and that every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights above? Do I believe that he is the vine and I am the branch and apart from him, I could do nothing? Do I want to live life doing only what I can do? Or do I want to unceasingly ask God to do what only he can do? Am I willing to exchange my will for thy will? And do I want to pray and live for the glory of God more than I want to breathe? These are not superficial questions. These, every single one of these challenged my heart, caused me to confess and repent before the Lord. So we want to use these next five weeks as a time to ask God to birth a prayer movement here at Gateway. So that we would be known as a praying church with sober confession that we desperately need God to move in us and in our midst 
and that we are helpless apart from his power. And I know, by the way, I know that we have prayer warriors here at Gateway. Those who are constantly going before the Lord in prayer. And what I would say to you is, oh, how we need you to continue that and to call others up. Call us all up into prayer. Thank you. Don't lose heart. Persevere. For some of us, there's the realization that there's a clear call in Scripture for us to pray. And a lot of times we're called in Scripture to do things, and we know that not only are we not answering the call, we cannot generate the desire to want to. So what do we do in those situations? I know the call's there. I cannot create the desire. Well, it takes me back to when we went through years ago Romans in our Sunday school class, and we got to Romans chapter 12, verse 9, and there was this ominous verse. It says this, let your love be genuine. It stopped me in my tracks. For how often my love was hypocritical, how often I didn't love someone. So how was I to do love? How was I to love someone when my love wasn't genuine and this was the clear call? Well, here's where we landed. <clears throat> do love while repenting. We don't not do love, but we recognize that our heart is not where it needs to be. So I want to challenge us to do prayer while repenting. So let's start that. Let's ask God to change our hearts, to stir our hearts with desire and passion, to seek his face more and more. And by the way, for those of you who don't know, Grady uh, put it up earlier, but we do pray every Sunday morning at 8 from 8 to 9. Uh, we pray every other, every second and fourth Sunday from 4.30 to 5.30, and we would invite you to be a part of that, encourage you to do that. I want to close with this verse. Our Lord bids us to come to him in prayer, and here's why. Psalm 127, verses 1 and 2 say this. Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchmen keep awake in vain. It's vain for you to rise up early, to retire late, to eat the bread of painful labors. For he gives to his beloved, even in his sleep. So let's pray. Father, just thank you for your invitation. Lord, you call us to come to you. You call us into your presence. Lord, you call us to bring our praise, our thanksgiving, our adoration to you, our needs before you, the needs of others, to be in communion with you unceasingly. Lord, help us by your power to answer that call. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You'll stand as we get ready to sing.
together something happens corporately this is a part of our individual lives and the life of the church that God's given us such a gift we need to get to know our God through his word and through prayer and this is exciting this isn't a guilt trip this is an invitation to come into the presence of God I want to close this with this doxology where the apostle Paul after he'd gone through the first 11 chapters in Romans 
where he had displayed the glory of God's redemptive plan. And it's like he set his pen down and he just stepped back and he penned these words in wonder. Oh, the depths of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and unfathomable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has become his counselor? Or who has first given to him that he might be paid back? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. God bless you, Gateway family. Have a good afternoon.